What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we have a witch table talk. And the topic is the Morrigan. So we have Kanoin Moore, who does our music, and she's been on before, and she's part of Pagan Parenting. And we also have Morgana from Modern Druid, who we just adore. So <laughs> Gemini. Um, let's start the way we always start. I'm going to have you guys really quickly introduce yourselves. Tell us about you. Why are you on this podcast? I am Morgana Brennan, owner of Modern Druid, which is a wonderful little space in Nyack, New York. I encourage you all to come visit visit us. Though we're on a little bit of a hiatus for for January due to due to the weather and um, and just going within for a little bit and honoring the cycle of the seasons. But I am um, Irish uh, by um, native Irish uh, by upbringing, but have been in New York for about thirty two years. So I consider myself, I guess, more a New Yorker than anything else. But that does not mean that I have in any way jettisoned my Irish roots. In fact, I probably uh, uh, have explored my own paganism uh, since I've you know been been here in New York than I did uh, when I was living as a child in Ireland. I uh, am a devotee of the Morrigan, I guess we'll we'll call we'll call it uh, a practitioner of Oum, and I uh, am absolutely delighted to be on the podcast once again and talking about one of my favorite topics herself, the Morrigan. And Morgana, it's so lovely to meet you. I am Conowen Moore and just so thrilled to be back. Hello. <laughs> uh, I am a eclectic witch and also a devotee of the Morrigan living out here in Seattle. So uh, definitely more rainy on the side of the country right now, but uh, also kind of just taking a little bit of rest in January as one of a, um, a mother of two under two can do right now. And I can only say that for a few more weeks. So forgive me for touting that a lot, but a few more weeks of two under two, and I will be your host of Pagan Parenting over on Witch Space Presents. I am so excited, but I'm very happy to be here today to be talking also about one of my favorite subjects that I am just soaking in as much information as I can about herself and working with herself has just been the most transformative process in my life. So thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to be here today. And I'm Scorpio and I'm on this podcast because Gemini won't ever let me leave. So I am here forever. How dare you? And <laughs> <laughs> but no, but there's a reason why I said it like that. Um, obviously, I want to be here. But um, I think that I said it like that because I think I am and I want to choose the words carefully. It's not that I, I am not a devotee of the Morrigan. I am a reluctant. I came to this reluctantly. This was not something that I looked for or wanted. And, you know, we can talk about what happened and why I, I am where I am right now. Thank you all for being here. Scorpio, you're stuck with me, but Morgana and Conlon. And I think that's a great question to dive right into. Um, with whatever degree of description you are willing to give, understanding that, you know, practices are personal and sometimes that information is not for podcasts. How did you come to be working with the Morrigan? You want me to start since it's funny? Yeah, I do want you to start since it's funny, actually. Because I can see it on your face. Okay, so like a lot of people, right? We've talked about this in the last podcast. The Morrigan gets a bad rap right? Um, she's this 
horrible, not horrible, but like this, this bloodthirsty goddess, some people say, and you know, you have to do animal sacrifices to the Morgan. You hear a lot of stories about the Morgan. So she was never on my radar, right? I have my deities. I'm very happy with my deities. And then I said to Gemini, are you hearing a lot of crows where you are? Do we even have crows in Rockland County? And she says, yeah, we do. I'm like, do you hear them? And she's like, no. I'm like, God, it's like they're everywhere. It's really annoying. I wonder what's near my house. That's what I thought. There's got to be something near my house with these animals. Like they're just super annoying. And of course, Gemini says, well, you know who? And I'm like, no, no, it's not that. Stop looking at things. You just want me to like, you know, do something so you can put it on the podcast because that's what she's like. Okay. Not like, no. Just try it. Yeah. Try it and we'll put it on the podcast. Mm. So I'm like, I'm not trying this. Like, that's not something you try. <laughs> and then um, I'm driving to work. You had just given birth, right, Gemini? I think, right. Yeah. Like, right around. It like. hasn't been that long. Yeah. And I'm driving to work. And when I go to work, nobody's out, right? We start incredibly early where we work. So Luckily, I'm on the road alone. I am driving and this gigantic crow gets in front of me, makes this huge sound. And I had to like come to a dead stop or I would have hit it. And I'm shaking because I don't want to hit any animal. And I'm going, oh, why? Right. So I get to work and I reach out to Gemini and I'm like, you're not going to believe what happened. And she goes, well, you know what I think? I said, well, you know what? She's got to wait. We've got regions coming up. I got to grade all my finals. I said, I'm not dealing with any of this. The very last day of school, the very last day of school. So then our friend Aquarius on the last day of school said, do you want to go see Baby Bat? And I said, yes, that's a great way to kick off summer. Let's do this. Last day of school, right? All my grades are in. Everything's done. Visit with the baby. We have a great time. We're going to leave. And Gemini says, here, I picked this up for you. And what was it? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, 100% I remember. Do you want me to say it or do you want to yeah. say it? I had gotten you um, a Morrigan book from Catland. Yeah, not the one that we read on the podcast, something else. And I looked at her and I said, what? <laughs> so then, of course, I open up the first page and it's like, if you're reading this, you've been called to the Morrigan. And I was like, well, isn't this a lot of fun? So um, that's how I came into this. So now it's been about, what, two years for me? Yeah. I didn't I'm not unhappy purpose. about it. I just thought the whole thing was kind of funny because I just kept fighting it. And then this one. We talked about it and I was like, oh, well, she likes Catland and this looks like something she'd be interested. In, so I bought it and then I gave it to you. And now here we are doing a podcast. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. There are many paths, you know, to to the Morrigan and um, and each one is is unique, but often crows are involved for sure. We're ravens. And uh, or magpies, any sort of corvid, sweetie, is what I've what I've experienced. Um, but uh, but I love that story because I I also love that, you know, what I have found with the Morgan and what has turned up over and over is there there are there's real contractual obligation, even when you just talk about her, you are creating some sort of relationship, and if you don't stay in right relationship with that there there are some consequences so the fact that you actually said out loud i don't have time for that now i need to do this this and this first and then and sure enough as soon as you were finished with that and then here you are right so so i've found that you you can't be flippant there's no there's no room for flippancy here right you really have to 
you really have to live by your words. And and one of the things I've appreciated most in working with the, with the Morgan, and the reason why I call myself sort of a devotee of the Morgan, is you know there there are sort of different levels. There are those that that maybe want to you know do some offerings. There are some that are all in, like Laura O'Brien at the Irish Pagan School, who is a priestess of the Morgan. Um, you know, that is that is something you're committed to daily. You know, you show up for that daily. To me, a devotee means she really is top of my list. Right? It's like, you know, if, if I'm going to be making any offerings to any deities or looking for assistance, which I rarely do, it's just my nature. I'll do it myself. Um, you know, but when I'm looking for for anything sort of external, you know, she is my go to. And and the reason why I'm comfortable asking for assistance from the Morgan is because I, it's an, it's an equal relationship. I will in fact be delivering something in return for that. And that's sort of what I mean by contractual. It, you know, you don't just sort of, you know, throw down some herbs and coins and light a candle and say, Hey, can you do this thing for me and walk away from that? It doesn't work that way. I mean, first and foremost, she'll ignore you, you know, but, but also, you know, if you're asking, expect that there needs to be a give and take in that, in that relationship. So, you know, so I love that um, that you sort of came to this reluctantly, but you were, you know, you were very much, you know, called to that. She she sought you, and and you know, I have um, real deep respect for that, right? But I also often have a, you know, say have a little bit of caution with that too, because if you answer that call, there is obligation created there. You know, whether you ask anything of her or not, she is asking of you, and you know, delivery is is sort of what what comes next. Are there consequences for not delivering? That's that's between each person and and the Morrigan, right? I mean that that's that's what a relationship is. There's there's give and take in each, and who's doing what, you know, is sort of to be to be determined. Um, but I but I love that story, and of course, you know, follow up questions are how's that going? But we can circle back to that a little later. But I am, of course, now deadly curious to find out how that's going for you at this point. Morgana, tell us a little bit about how you came to be working with the Morrigan. You know, I was thinking about that this morning because I knew this question was going to come up, right? And I'm like, how on earth actually did this come about? And yet she's always, seriously, she's always been a presence in my life, right? As Even as a, you know, a, a, a teenager and, you know, walking the streets of Dublin, I always felt her presence. Um, and not in the way of, oh, I read this in Irish mythology and then I identified with this archetype and that's sort of an archetype I chose. She literally has just walked with me for as long as I can remember. There's always just been this sort of entity with me, if that makes any sense. Um, but I think my my devotional came came about through through druidry. So so as I sort of you know leaned into druidic studies and really sort of embraced this idea of you know being a you know modern druid as I as I like to refer to myself, um, part of what really uh, had me um, engaging in devotionals to the Morrigan. Um, was really through sound and uh, and poetry, right? So 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 sound, you know, to me is all encompassing, right? That that's music, that's that's words, how they're actually stated, how they're said, and of course the Irish language is so rich in sound. And being an OM practitioner, you know, OM itself is really, you know, sound made manifest in form, right? By the by the hand of Agma. Um, but I I have always had a love of poetry, and I think in in reading through some poems, particularly Rosk, a, a type of poetry called Rosk, R-O-S-C, and seeing the Morgan's poems, Rosk poems there, um, it really connected me through to that, to, to a much deeper understanding of this 
sense of spirit that was walking the path with me. And that, you know, sort of from there, I, I think really um, inspired me to, to begin to offer some devotionals to her. I love that you brought up the Rosk because that is so <laughs> exactly where like I found my home working with the Morian as well as through poetry and music, especially, which um, I'm happy to share where my origin story with herself has been, because it's kind of what I don't want to say I blame her for um, entering me into the world of witchcraft, but she was certainly a conduit <laughs> of that journey. Uh, she honestly back at school. So when I was going to school at the Bremerton, or excuse me, at the, um, Boston Conservatory of Music, I was studying to be a composer. I had a, a suite mate or a roommate next door to me, and she was a phenomenal mezzo-soprano. And so I wanted to write her something. This is before I was ever a witch. And she was like, you should really look into the Morrigan. There's some really fantastic imagery and inspiration you might find there. And maybe you could write something for mezzo-soprano for the Morrigan. And I dove right in. Now, this is back in 2013, so some sources were not as... Um, uh, shall we say accurate at that point about her. There was a lot that was kind of convoluted and not what I would attribute to her anymore. But I, it dove me first like into her world a little bit and just learning about that. And I'd always had um, a deep appreciation for Irish music. I grew up listening to a lot of Irish music. Uh, my first ever score for theater was for Translations, which is an Irish play. So it definitely spoke to my heart to want to write something in celebration of her. Now, since then, of course, um, I've moved away from Boston and went on to get my degree and all that. Uh, and I became a witch much later. And as I was doing that, I, I kind of resurrected this piece because, as you said, Morgana, when you interact with her, it is kind of a contract. And it, she basically came knocking at my door going, hey, remember that piece you wanted to write <laughs> that you never got around to? I still want it. And it's funny because that project, that work, which is now, I nicknamed it my great work because she's expecting the full-blown score. Like I, there are no shortcuts with this. She wants my best work. And it, it has truly transformed my entire like scope of life and perspective because I've had to really work on myself in order to even give myself the time to work on such a thing. And in doing so, it's made me so much infinitely stronger. It's made me a better witch. It makes me show up every single day. Like I'm I'm learning quite a lot of Irish for this and trying to sing it in Irish because now I'm myself a mezzo-soprano and able to perform it myself. So every morning I'm trying to show up and do the work for her and learn my Irish and go to my altar. And it's, it's a contract exactly where... I am expected to fulfill that, but it, doing so brings me such fulfillment and such joy. And that in and of itself is the reward for me to see how much I have transformed my life. Um, and I'll just leave this with one little bit. I kind of had a, a moment where I had to renegotiate the contract because I'm sitting in my bathtub at nine and a half months pregnant and about to have my second child going, how on earth am I going to write this for you? I'm about to have another child. I need, I need time. I need something. I, I need to no less than completely change my life in order to get this done for you. Because she's like, it's been years. We're 10 years later. Where is this? <laughs> like, I'm not seeing the effort. And I can just tell it's like, I, I need to start showing up in a more honest way and I need to level up a little bit. 
Um, and that's what I really feel like she's been so beneficial for me because she is kind of a hard look in the mirror of like, are you being really, truly honest with yourself? Are you doing the best you can? Can you be doing a little bit better? And it's done in a very like honest way. And it doesn't have to be brutal, although sometimes it feels that when I'm feeling a little more emotional or sensitive, <laughs> but it's all for the good of really bringing back like sovereignty and power to myself. And that's what I always rest on with her, where that is truly the message. It's, are you really standing for the best that you can and being the best that you can? Are you standing by your word? Your word is so powerful. So the things we tell ourselves are so powerful, make them honest, make them true. So I renegotiated my contract and I said, okay, I'm going to treat this round of postpartum completely differently than I did with my first child. And I'm going to show up. I'm going to do the work to get myself, get my body in the best condition it can be so I can show up and do this work every day and do it with energy and passion and vigor. And I'm sitting here six months later and my life, nothing like it did last year. And it's just marvelous. Like I'm, I'm so, I have so much pride in that work that I've done, but I know that every step of the way it's been putting my faith in her uh, and, and doing this work every day. And there's so much more to be done <laughs> because I sit here with the score right next to me going, oh gosh, I have so much more work to do, but it's, it's exciting work. It's, it, it brings me energy and vitality to think about it. And that to me has been my relationship with her from the beginning is that sort of divine inspiration, but also that like, are you, are you really doing what you said you would do? Are you really showing up for yourself right now? Stand in your power and don't let people take that from you. Gosh, anyway, I could just go on and on. But <laughs> Just so you know, I'm also a mezzo-soprano. Oh my goodness. So if you want to, yes. you know, Always. Not, I'm not taking your Morgan stuff. That's no, you, but, but I'm planning on making the score available. That's part of it too, is sharing that work. So please, oh my goodness, we must sing together. It'd be Yay. amazing. She knows I love it when she sings, and so she will never sing around me. So every once in a while, like we'll be in the car or something, and she'll start singing, and I just have to do this because if I show <laughs> any kind of emotion, she'll stop. So I'm just kind of like, mm, okay, whatever. But yeah, Thank she's got an amazing much, voice. This is a separate conversation. We don't have to talk about me singing right That's now. Really you brought it up. You're a good singer. Just, can, can I jump in on something? Yes. Just this idea of of transformation. I everything you spoke about, Conwin. I absolutely absolutely adore because this, this is the difference i think this is what makes the margin truly unique she doesn't want you fawning over her and bringing offerings and doing those sorts of things she has no time for trinkets and nonsense she is a no no shit surely sort of you know goddess and and that's it and and why why well so this is where you had touched on nori she gets a bad rap that she's you know some you know bloodthirsty you know blah blah she is a honed spear in that it, if she is going to go after something, it is very sharp and it and it and it will hit its mark, right? And so why? What is what is the purpose of that? It's transformation. She is a transformational deity. So, you know, this idea that she shapeshifts into other animals. I, I tend to work with her through through other animals as well, which is why I was showing you guys the the, the art on the walls. And um, why is that? Because she she has taught me how to do, I do um, basically meditations to transform into different animals, to shapeshift through meditation. Why? For the experience of actually being able to 
fully empathize with what it's like to be another creature. What does it feel like to have fur? What does it feel like to have feathers? What does it feel like to have different vision? Those sorts of things, right? You can truly understand another when you walk in their skin, literally. And so she works with people on all sorts of different levels of transformation, but this, but it is this idea of shape-shifting. So shifting your life from inauthentic to authentic, to I want to I want to do it too. I'm actually doing it, right? She she is that real, not just catalyst for change, but she is the framer of that change too. And so if you, you know, it is always up to, up to you to decide to, you know, follow through or not follow through, but you're not going to be able to just make excuses and sort of let it go away. You will be held accountable and that mirror up to your face to say, stop talking about it then, you know, stop lying to yourself, stop actually portraying yourself as something that you're not, because if you don't do it, therefore you have, you know, failed on that mission. Don't say you're going to, as if it's something that is, you know, real around you. It's not, you're either doing it or you're not doing it. And so I love this sort of idea of, um, of just how sharply she brings things into contrast so that we can really straighten up with ourselves. And she's not looking for us to, to do it solely, you know, for her. It is to your point about this idea of personal sovereignty, right? It's how do you actually stand in the fullest power that you can express for yourself? Because in doing so, when we show up authentically ourselves, everybody else around us can show up authentically too. And and I've I've lived that for for the last oh probably only 3 or 4 years where I've really, you know, gone to great steps to say, you know, enough of trying to fit around other people and make other people comfortable in their skins. That doesn't mean you go after them and you're calling them on everything and making them uncomfortable, but I say that to say when you do the work for yourself, when you say, okay, I'm, am I being truthful and honest with how I am, with, with, with my words, with my actions, with my deeds, when you really lean into that and start showing up in all the ways that you want to actually show up, you find everybody else now has permission to do the same thing around you. And that is truly transformative. So, so you see it go through communities, you know, like, like wildfire, right, which is just also such a beautiful thing. And to be very accepted for who it is you are authentically is is the other piece of this. And that's where she delivers that strength, right? Particularly when there are challenges around it. People are afraid of the term witch. They're afraid of the term druid. They, you know, will fabricate stories against you uh, about your mental health and, and anything else you want to see when it doesn't fit the frame of you know, general society and, you know, Abrahamic religions and really, you know, being part and parcel of um, of what society thinks is normal. Uh, and this is where I have found her to really show up with full strength to say, we're just going to burn all that stuff away. None of that stuff matters. You show up authentically. You do you in rightful action with me and we've got to cover it. And that has been a remarkable source of inspiration and strength and actually bringing the sound into form, whether it's music, poetry, words, deeds, actions, expression. We all love, you know, personal expression, how we dress, how we how we style our hair. You know, all of that is authenticity at play too and trans and transformative. So I just I love everything that you had to say about that. And I couldn't resist but to also talk about transformation in that, in that, that, that vein. You just you click something in my brain there where she brought me into this world of witchcraft, which I've never known a community to accept me so readily and happily. I've always been a misfit and just one of those that was not was not full of 
friendships and really like separated myself. I had like my own path I was going on and I was very focused on that. And I never felt like I fit in or was accepted. And this entire foray like into and journey into witchcraft and my time that I spent in a coven and now leading ritual as a priestess, uh, it has really opened up the door to acceptance of me just being exactly how strange and dark and mysterious and weird I am. <laughs> and it feels so freeing. And to think that, that 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 she was the catalyst to bring me into this community so I could show up as myself and then kind of turn that mirror back and said, okay, but are you now being honest with yourself, right? It goes so much deeper than just you know, being able to wear what I want to wear, like be who I want to be. But that's such a huge stepping stone into actually doing the deeper work of, okay, now let's focus back and strengthen you from the inside out. And so anyway, you just gave me sort of a (laughs) breakthrough in that, um, realizing that. And once again, she just shows how she completely can come in and turn your life upside down. And I think that's probably why she also gets a bad rap because so many of the experiences I hear is that's exactly what she does. And if you're comfortable in the status quo, if you're comfortable in your life and you don't want things to turn upside down or you're not ready for that, it can feel very daunting to think I'm going to work with this goddess and everything's going to change. But on the other side of that change and transformation is so much more and so much potential and um, excitement and vibrancy. So if you're ready, if you're willing to take that on, I, I think she is the right goddess to work with so long as you're going to show up and do the work because on the other side of all that change is, is a whole new world. You know, we keep referring to her as a goddess and, and in fairness, she refers to herself as a queen. Just literally, you know, hearing that in, in my head right now, which is there is a part of her that is sort of like, you know, not wanting to kind of be lumped into, you know, the, these goddessy, you know, deities. And it just sort of brings me back to some of the literature, you know, around the fact that she she is in Irish. Her name is the Great Queen. And why is that? You know, was she actually a queen, you know, in terms of land and very tangibly, et cetera? She's queen of the realm, right? This is really her own realm. It's her, it's her own, she's got a total lock on this domain of, you know, transformation and authenticity. That really is her her thing, right? And I think um it, I just felt compelled to sort of, you know, say that out loud. And and I and I find sometimes if I'm sort of trying to form the word goddess, you know, in in my mouth, it just doesn't it just doesn't you know work well with her. And uh, and I think it's it's really about that. Uh, being Irish, you know, our, our our literature is so very important, you know, to many of us. And so I, I guess I'm probably more a purist in terms of the you know the literature that comes out there. But but because she also is you know, very much around this idea of, of of sound. What is it that sound actually brings into form? The words are so important. And that's why it brings us back to the poetry again. You know, and I, I absolutely adore that. Not only are you writing music, but but in fact, singing and then singing in her native language is just absolutely mesmerizing to me. I can't, I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait till you're, till you're finished. And obviously, you know, it may take another 10 years for you to finish it given this. That will not happen. (laughs) I don't think she'll allow it. (laughs) Thank you for the correction to queen as well. I've been trying to make that association because I think in witchcraft, it's so easy to just get caught up in the goddess talk, which there's a lot to celebrate with connection to goddess, of course, but yes, she is like matter of fact, absolutely a great queen. And uh, even the, the great work that I've I'm working on is is called the phantom queen for that reason and so yeah <laughs> and so thank you but yeah going back to the literature exactly is 
is so important. And you mentioned Laura O'Brien. I just wanted to jump off that. The Laura O'Brien from the Irish Pagan School. And so much of that has brought so much clarity and light to who she is. Because me, I while I have Irish ancestry and DNA, I try to really come at it from a completely beginner's mind and be open to, I don't know everything and I am not entitled to this information. I'm lucky to be able to access this information and there's so much good information. So the more we can learn and have that beginner's mind is so important, which I know kind of jumps off of something we mentioned on this podcast earlier with me about being a baby witch, because I am very new to all of this still, even though I find myself leading ritual now for community. It's wild how quickly I've been thrust into this, but just go back to the sources and thank you, Morgana. <laughs> the, and the sources, you know, we have so little, right? I mean, that that's also it's so empirical experience really is as is as valid. You know, it's it's truly like the work that we are doing ourselves is building on that. And and you know, Scorpio, you had touched on this idea that you know there's sort of a growing army of of folks that are you know really sort of coming to the to the Morrigan and and it's exponentially you know growing. Why is that? Well, part of that too is for every one of us that really lean in and do the work. I like to think of it this way. The greater the work that is done in her name, the more power and energy that gives to all that she stands for, right? It amplifies the energy that is transformational, authentic, etc. And so, you know, for for each for each of us that does the work, it it strengthens that and allows her to call on the next and the next and the next, right? And then even having this conversation, it'll be fascinating if we ever learn, you know, how many people may have been touched by this conversation and say, huh, so that's what those crows were about. Or, hmm, that's why that's been showing up. And maybe it's my time, you know, to knock on on those doors, you know, as well. Um, you obviously have, um, uh, you know, have checked out the Irish Pagan School and always like to refer to Laura O'Brien because she is very much a purist. She goes by the literature. You know, she doesn't make things up. N- nothing annoys me more than when I see the Morgan, you know, presented as some sort of like, you know, sexy hoochie, you know, goddessy type of thing. It's like that couldn't be further from the truth. And, the, and and it's the antithesis for what she stands for, being that she is, you know, about authentic truth and personal sovereignty, you know. And so, so Laura is one of those voices, very, very powerful voices out there that actually, you know, is able to present her in the way that she is. And so for that, you know, very, very grateful for all of the work that she, that she has done. And, um, and she herself is just an absolutely incredible human being. Um, okay. So n- enough about Laura, but <laughs> You know, again, just just amplifying that if anybody's looking for sources, for really good sources to start with, absolutely. It sounds like both of us, Conowin and, and myself, Morgana here, you know, recommend going to irishpaganschool.com. Um, Laura O'Brien is a, a priestess of the Morrigan there, as well as probably the preeminent authority on OAM today. That's O-G-H-A-M, which is a, an ancient Celtic alphabet. And that would be an excellent place to start rather than from some of the other sources that perhaps are not so um, reliable or so accurate. And there's a lot of free available content there that you can yes. listen to and, and yes. dive right into. Yeah. And we will make sure to post that on our Instagram as well. So if you're listening, you can hop over to the Instagram. There will be some stuff in our stories and also in our posts sharing content from the Irish Pagan School. So you guys have access to that. And I'm going to say if you pick up a book, because I know every book I've picked up on it mentions the Irish Pagan School. And like it's it's so if you're not getting that from the reading, if nobody mentions it in the book, throw away that book because they're not. Yes. I mean, unless it's like super old, but what's been written that's super old. Like I think yeah. all the books that I've seen definitely have mentioned Lara O'Brien. So. I think it's yeah. good. 
Yeah. And if anybody's looking her up based on the sound, it's L-O-R-A O'Brien. She she also touches on things about the bargain to do with social justice. And that is something that I've found on my own personal path too. Um, a lot of the work that I do for the Morrigan is about if I'm going to lean into an argument, if I'm going to lean into a fight, I better get my facts straight. I better sharpen my pencil, better sharpen my wits. And I also need to make this greater than the 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 individual battle, right? So, so for example, I've, I've had the unfortunate situation of being in, in family court and divorce court far too often in the last, you know, few years um, for myself, for friends, for my partner, et cetera. And um, the work there is so much bigger. It's not just about whatever issue you have, you know, personally with your own, you know, um, relationship. It is also about how is the legal system working in this regard? Are there things that need to be, you know, done and acted upon? Um, we we had an incident where, you know, we some information came to light about some dodgy practices with some, you know, other organizations. It's not enough to just say it in that room. How do you bring greater visibility to it so that somebody else isn't also compromised by the same sort of malarkey, right? And so it's a it's so so she always brings me back to this idea of if you're going to put any energy or effort into this, you need to go all the way. It's you don't do things by half measures, right? It's you're going to go all the way on this. And and that is and and so again to this idea of bad rap, that's not because she's bloodthirsty and vengeful. It is because it's only worth doing if you're doing it to the very best of your capability, which appears to be how she lived her life, what we know about her through the mythological tales, right? She wasn't this or that. She didn't stand for this and that alone and dogmatically pursued, you know, one vision. You see her shift, you see her change, you see her help her enemies and then flip back to, you know, being an enemy again. You know, there, she she fit with what was in the best interest of all. And even in the Rosks, you 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 get the sense she's always talking about the people, right? She's she's talking about um, much larger social structures than just this king or that hero or whatever. She's she's much more about what is the greater good and what is a you, you know more universal truths you know that will carry us forward as society and as human beings. So this idea of sort of social justice is really huge and really prevalent in my own work with her and. Um, you know, to the point where, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point I'm going to have to go back to law school after, after all of this. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm not signing that contract. I'm not going down that road at this point in my life. So, so don't ask it. Um, but, um, but, but it does feel like that, it, you know, to touch into these things often feels like, okay, how far can we go with this? Because all the way is a very long way to go indeed. So, so, so Scorpio, have you been experiencing any of these things? Like what have been, has there been certain demands, you know, for you through, through this process? Um, you know, as I touched on earlier, I'm fascinated to hear how this has been going for you. So I was saying to Gemini, I said, it's been going pretty nice. And she goes, what do you mean it's been going pretty nicely? I'm like, nothing's happened. Like nothing and then she said, but is it because you're doing the work? And I had to sit with that for a while. And I went, oh, wait a minute. So this is how it's been going. So first of all, I got yelled at and told to stop reading, that I'm reading too much. Like I didn't want to do anything until I had read about as much as, and, and finally through Divin, I'm like doing cards and it's basically like, stop reading. Just start doing, start doing. That's the message I kept getting from just start doing. I'm like, but doing what? I said, don't I need to learn more? Because I feel like, especially when it's not my culture, I need to like know everything. And she's basically telling me, you're never going to know everything. Just start. Right. So then I'm like, 
so yeah, that that is the attitude that I, I come to all my deities with is, you know, that kind of like throw my hands up, like we want, you know? And one of the things that, you know, everyone talks about the battle when it comes to the Morrigan, but she's also about building after the battle, right? What comes after the battle? And I realized that at work, I had tried to do different things to kind of build community. And then even before COVID, things just started getting like shut and shut down, shut down. And I'm like, why do I want to keep fighting? And the more I thought about the work of the Morgan and when Gemini said, but aren't you doing the work? And I realized I'm building. I am literally behind the scenes where only certain people know creating curriculum. There is curriculum that has been written that nobody knows I did. Because if they did, they might be pissed. Mm. You know, why is she getting? And I told the people, like, you know who knows? The bosses know. I am moving into different committees. I have joined so many committees at work, learning about the demographics of a community that, quite frankly, doesn't feel that they have sovereignty. Right? They feel like they are being held down. But I'm trying to find ways to make that happen slowly. So it's about, I'm building right now. And maybe the reason that I'm going, what's going all right? Like Gemini said, because every time there's an opportunity, my first reaction is, oh, I don't do that. And then I'm like, all right, so where do I sign up? You know, and I just, and I'm doing it. So I think it's quite possible. The last card I got, um, the Crow Tarot. And that's literally just for her. I don't do anything else except, you know, what messages might you have? And I said, you know, I'm going to pull one card. Just, you know, tell me. And I pulled out the high priestess and I went, okay, she's with me. I'm doing it. This, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And there's another opportunity that's come up that I'm not going to mention because we'll see if I get in and she's probably going to want me to get in. Um, if I get into this thing, I don't want to do this. I got to travel to the Bronx. I got to do all these different things. But it's about community. It's about building them up. It's about giving them a voice. It's about, and again, it's not about me. It's about the work. And I think that's something else that some people might think, well, if it's all on me, then I have to, it's not about you. It's about the work. She just wants the work to get out there. Yes, you're the schmo that she has pointed to for this particular thing, but it's, you know, forget you, just get it done. So, you know, I find that when I just get it done and, it, and one of the funniest things was, you know, my devotion, my daily devotion. I'm like, I can't write this thing. What the heck does she want me to write? And then literally like in two seconds, I went, oh, and I was like, all right, that went well. So I think it's just about showing up, do the work. And I don't know, I don't know, maybe at some point something horrible will happen. I'll get turned upside down. But right now I feel pretty good. I feel like everything's going all right. So we'll see. Well, there's the social justice aspect right there, right? You touched upon giving voice to community that has no voice. So you're doing the work. That's exactly the sort of work that she's looking for, right? As I said, she's no time for, for you know, trinkets and trivialities here. You're doing much deeper work, you know, in, in education, in writing curriculum, things that are very um, deep and longstanding, that's the other thing too, right? Is that, you know, one and done and you, and everybody moves on to the next thing is not anything she's interested in, right? She's not pop culture. It's not that that's not what it is. You know, it is very much about 
transformation, right? Being able to, we're right back to that again, but, but, but that is, that is the work that you're doing, right? And giving people a voice, right? Being for the people is such an important aspect to this. And I think one that is grossly overlooked when people come to the Morgan, they don't really understand that being a queen She's for her people. And that that sort of sovereign queen is is actually about looking after, you know, her people. And we're all her people. That's the thing. It doesn't just have to be Irish ancestry, you know, or DNA. Her tribe are those that truly care for others. And so she is she is very um, maternal, you know, in that way. And that's not really an association. And 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 I think she actually just threw up a little bit with me saying that, but she's just like, oh. God, I get the mother stuff off me. You know, she doesn't like, don't turn me into a mother, you know, but, but there is this sort of, you know, maternalistic aspect to the way she looks after her people and the fact that she will take on any, anybody, right. That is actually willing to align with that greater conscience, I think is, is about the only way I can phrase that. It is this greater conscience for humanity. So we're all, we're all in it. We're all in it, despite, you know, where, where we come from and what our ancestry might be, if we if we abide in the same space of social justice and authenticity, then we can transform not just ourselves, but our communities, our families. So much healing in that too, right? I mean, that's all about, you know, breaking, you know, pathologies, generational pathologies as well. So so I think that's also why there is a there is, I'm not even going to call it a resurgence towards the Morrigan. She was never a popular, you know, queen. She was never a popular deity. This is somebody that is sort of, you know, relatively unknown. But why now? Why now? Because she's transformative. And we've really moved into times where we are seeing transformation on a massive and global scale. And I I don't want to be the voice of doom. But if we look at the, her rosks, where she offered up two alternative scenarios for her people, the two of the Didanon, right? One is a time of, you know, peace and abundance and everything else. And the other is utter destruction. And so what she's always saying is it'll go one way or the other, make your choice and put your foot on the path and decide which way you're leading your people. And that's hugely important. I think particularly as we come into 2024, you know, everything that's going on in the world right now has always gone on in the world. That's the other thing. It's no, it's no different, but we have much greater awareness and much more consciousness about it than we ever had before. And in that lies our ability to actually impact transformation or not. So we get to choose. I really like what you said about the mother aspect. And this is going to sound crazy because it has nothing to do with spirituality, but I finished watching The Crown and <laughs> there's, but there's a scene where Princess Diana is dead I think it was when they were going to exhume her body to see if she was pregnant because Dodie's father was saying all this stuff. And supposedly Prince Charles says to Queen Elizabeth, you have to be a mother to the country. Like you can't just, that's what a queen is, right? So I think that that's the type of mother that when we, we talk about her as a mother, it's that type of mother, right? The mother to the country. She's never going to pat you on the back and wipe your tears, but she will tell you, yeah, you did all right. Or no, keep going. You know, like, that's it. Like, I don't have time to give you cookies right now. You know, that's not me. But she can be there and say, I get it. I get that this is happening to you, right? She's not, she's not without um, empathy. But um, so I like that you brought that up. So I think that's another thing that also along with the sexiness is that some people want to push her 
And because she is a triple goddess, people are like, oh, maiden mother crow. And it's like, no, nothing, nothing to do with that. People just want to fit. Once you hear something, you just want to, these are the tropes that we have. These are the stereotypes, whatever. And this is how we're going to put people in. And it's like, no. So I like that we, you know, had a moment to like kind of go over. Yes. A mother as a queen. I looked to her for strength, but not as a mother to mother. I looked at, I looked for her in the moments that I had to face the brutality of frankly giving birth, um, motherhood itself, the day in day out work that you are forced to do because you love your children. Right. But it's, it's not glamorous. It's, it's hard. It's gritty. And she is the goddess that I can turn to that is not afraid of that gore is not afraid of that hardship and will go in the trenches with me and pull me out to victory at the other side. Right. But I look to her throughout my whole journey of motherhood, but not as a maternal goddess. Right. The other thing I was thinking of is we have this association with her being this like sexy goddess and I am not some kind of a, you know, I, I, I fully embrace that side of myself. I like to pole dance for exercise. Like this is, this is the vibe right <laughs> for me, but right. while I'm doing these, you know, exercises and feeling myself and feeling really like attached to my sexuality and my femininity, she is not somebody that I go to for that kind of expression, but she is a, a, a queen that I go to for that sovereignty, for that power within myself to feel like I can stand up in that place. And what was really like um, something I wanted to sort of say out loud, the voice, like voice as a, as a concept really comes up with her a lot. And I think part of the reason we're seeing that we're seeing this rise in, I guess, if we want to call it her popularity, her army, however, you know, her influence, right? I think a lot of it stems from we're being we're able to see so much in this world now that we've never seen as, as a human race before. We're, we're being subjected to so much imagery and a lot of it is very brutal and grotesque and so hard and painful to see. And she is a goddess, excuse me, she is a queen. And as you know, <laughs> this, this being that we have all worked with through there's so many years and millennia, she is somebody who's never been afraid to look at that. And you have to look at that side of things in order to have an authentic voice for those people being oppressed, being brutalized, being victimized. And to be able to look at that and empathize, like what you were saying also earlier, Morgana, about empathizing and wearing another skin, and then coming out of that and being a voice for that. So much, I think, is fueling you know, our, our society to be a voice for others who are being victimized and brutalized. And she is somebody who's not afraid to go there and not afraid to see that. And for me, what is so important in my own work is to be a voice on behalf of myself and on behalf of those that I see that need a voice. Right. And I think, you know, in my journey with her, um, there was one point where I kind of came to her and said, you know, I feel like I'm being a little self-centered because this is this whole thing started from this piece of music that I want to write. And that feels kind of just on me. But she reminded me that in doing all of this learning, I've become a more accurate voice in my own small community about her, about her culture. I can I can step in and say, no, that's actually not correct. <laughs> this is this if you go back to this resource, here have this resource. This is what is actually historically correct as we know it. And 
I've been able to be that guidance in a smaller way. And then as I share and work with her in a more public fashion, that's also spreading that message out there and hopefully can inspire other people to use their voice because I'm using quite literally my voice to do that. And it's come with this immense strength in facing the hardships of motherhood at the same time, as well as embracing my full feminine self during this time. But it's, it, it, I find that she walks the path next to that. It's not the same and you cannot force fit her into that, but she is able to walk with you through all those parts, the good, the bad, the ugly, and and help you through those things as long as you're willing to show up and do the work. <laughs> that's right. She doesn't shy away from it. And, and, and that's the difference. I'd say when we talk about, you know, what is, what does it mean to be feminine? What does it mean to be masculine? God, there's been so much done and said, you know, about that. Um, but I'd like to go back to the times in which she lived. There was equality between men and women in those days. There were things called the Breton laws. These, it was the, women were not subjugated to men and men were not subjugated to women. They coexisted and everybody had their way of doing things. You know, there were, there were hierarchies in society, but it didn't exclude you from, from, from anything. You know, we have Queen Maeve, you know, we, you know, we have various high Kings of Ireland, etc. There wasn't a, you know, female can't be, can't be ruler, you know, of, of the land or the area or whatever else. These things did not exist. Right. And so it's a very, um, modern construct of the last you know whatever thousand two thousand years to to really set women up in these other you know roles being female means to literally be in the in the blood and the pain and the muck of it all right i mean it's you know we have far messier biological processes and far more painful biological processes than a man ever will have so we truly are we are death and rebirth within us, right? We we actually, you know, give birth to things. And and in that way, just you know, being being female is the vessel for creation, right? In and of itself. And so you can't really be a woman and not touch on that motherhood piece because of the potential, you know, for that. But what does it mean to be? a mother, right? And 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 to your point there, Conowen, you know, you, you can't force fit her into this sort of motherly role in terms of how we've defined it in modern society. That's that's not it. Her motherliness is is about queenliness, is about, you know, her people in general, not her child or what it means to caretake a, a child, you know, or give birth to a child. She's giving birth through all of us to much bigger, larger societal concepts that will in fact transform things for the betterment of her people. And, and that is sort of like Uber mom, right? I mean, I see that as like, you know, that's that's beyond, you know, motherhood. That that is, that's really, you know, that's birthing nations, right? That's birthing humanity or rebirthing the humanity into the humans as we are here today, because we're so far removed from our humanity and all of these artificial constructs that we've created, you know, over the last, you know, couple of millennia, it's, it's, you know, it's sort of horrifying to reflect back on where we started from and where we're at now and why, and how did we get here? So there is this reclamation of personal sovereignty for whatever that means to you, you know, whatever that means to you. And I love that, that you turn to her to guide you through the, the harder, more gory, more painful pieces of this, because that, that is her strength to not flinch, 
and not shy away. And so, yes, her, blood is her realm, but not for the the sexy killer, you know, sort of vibes. Um, you know, and then also just another thing about that. Is she really a killer? She has certainly assisted yeah. in battles, right, to 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 help and, and to aid, right? But is, and, and um, you know, will kill for herself if, if necessary. But, but she is not the killer, right? It's not that the Morgan is brought into battle to destroy the enemy. Morgan is brought into battle to strengthen, right? To strengthen the force that is fighting the battle and to disorient the enemy, etc. She works through us for what our own individual potential is to either rise in battle or to be able to, you know, go the course of whatever battle, the battle of birth, you know, even, and, uh, and all of the other battles, you know, that are, that are uh, endemic to our lives. It makes me think of like the quote that she has, that's like, I, the helpful Raven, and she hops on the shoulders of like those who are victorious. Right. And it's again, that shapeshifter form, but she's, She's there with the battle. She's in the fray, the thick of it, but she is there to sort of designate you can do this, you know, and to bring you to victory and actually to speak nor uh, and actually to speak Scorpio about what you mentioned, remembering that there's also victory on the other side of this. There, there's no point in just being in the battle and the fray and the thick and the gore throughout your entire life, because what was it all for? You are building, as you said, to something greater and bigger than yourself. And there is victory on the other side of that. And I don't know, she just reminded me of that raven that was hopping across the spears. I, you know, landing on the spears of those that are victorious. And I just, I love that imagery. And I come back to that often with her too. Do you relate to one aspect of the Morrigan more than the other? Do you work with one aspect of the Morrigan more than the others? And how does your relationship with the Morrigan as a whole differ from the aspects it's helpful to look at her and well so there's there's sort of two versions of that right one is that she is one aspect of the three daughters of Ernest, right the other is that three are contained within the morrigan you know i'll 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 speak for her through my own voice to say she is what she is and all aspects are represented in her and anybody else right we we are not we are not exclusively this or that. There is no black and white on that. We are all of the things. We we are entire universes contained within each of us. There is, in fact, only one of us here, right? Because we 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 only can have our own experience. You and I can look at the same thing. We can read the same thing. We're going to have entirely different viewpoints on it because of our genetics, because of our, you know, own ability to to parse out details through our own filters and our own lenses right so so we can only ever each of us have our own unique experience and so i like to say you know we're all of the things all of the time and therefore the margin is too um and yes there is you, you know there is this discussion about the daughters of Ernest and you know where does she sit with that and are all three in her and, and those sorts of things i actually don't work with any of those aspects with her the the, the aspects that i work with the margin is really about the druid I, I consider her a druid through her through her poetry, through her guidance. She's very much an advisor. You know, she's there on the battlefield with you. If she if she needs to pick up arms herself, she'll do that. She's a she's a prophet, right? She's a seer, and she conveys um, um, those visions uh, as well. She guides. She will flip sides, not because she's fickle, but because she will direct what what is actually going to be you know, for the greater good, what, what is, what is going to go there? So the aspects that I tend to work with for her are around shape-shifting, 
right? How do we shift? How do we shift? Even how do we shift our thinking? How do we shift our perception? You know, when we're we're so being so righteous, right? You know, this is what it is, and this is what I say, and this is how it's going to go. Really? That's your that is your opinion. That is your perception of the situation. Think about what the other person's perception of the situation is. It's not about right or wrong. Perception is everything. It doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. You're only right for yourself. So the aspects I work with her is then is about that that transmutation, right? Of of perception and all of the things that get loaded into the funnel that you know make up our lives. Um, so I work with her as shapeshifter, often through animals, and um, specifically crows and ravens. Um, uh, wolf too. She she also has an affinity, you know, with the wolf and the hare. Um, and my own my own rabbit that looks like a hare because she's a Rex rabbit is sitting right here, you know, with me as we talk. Uh, but but the, that's that's sort of the aspect that I work with her there. And then this idea of social, you know, social justice, and and the you know the ability to have her speak through me or to strengthen my words at least. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't speak through you really. She speaks to you, and then you gotta you know go go do it. That's that's really the key to this, right? You know, you're not channeling her in. You ch- you know she will she will share her strength with with you. She'll fortify you. But this idea of words, and then of course with the om. With, with using the ohm, bringing the ohm into a much more tangible form, you know, in creating essential oils out of them that have the healing properties that correspond with the trees and plants associated with each of the, the letter symbols. That was very much a, a devotional to the Morrigan because she's also looking for ways to encourage people to hear, right, to be able to hear the sound that has been brought into form. So so those are the ways, those are the aspects. The aspects I work with her are these concepts of justice, concepts of shape-shifting, concepts of transmutation, and concepts of, of listening, hearing, and transforming that sound into form, whatever that form takes, whether it's a work, whether it's a speech, whether it's writing, whether it's it's literally sound music. I am a sound therapist. I use tuning forks. I use bowls, etc. To me, that's often the the way to ignite the the um the owen right and ignite the inspiration within a person through those sounds you know as well so those are the aspects personally that i work with around the morgan rather than sort of roles associated with her or or concepts associated with her around humanness um i tend to go with the concepts of um of more sort of philosophical uh, aspects of her it's funny. I feel like I, I feel very much connected to the same idea where I'm not connecting to a name that she might have or her lineage that is, you know, written in the text. It's more so the concepts as well. Uh, and I can kind of track this through the creation of the work that I'm doing, because originally it was just the work on the Morrigan. And then it became, okay, there's three movements and it's, it's Vive, Maha and Anu. And now those three movements have changed into their Irish titles. So I'm using Fa for prophecy, Flahas for sovereignty and Bwaiga for victory in battle. And those are really the three that I work with, with her. Um, but I will say also, I think that one of the strongest messages I've ever received from her was a very insistent, I come in many forms. And it reminded me to look for her everywhere because she is in everything. And I've I've never really thought of myself as an animist until this year. And now working with crows, we have a lot of crows in where I live, a lot. So it's hard to sort of piece out where she might be in every crow sighting that I have because it's not a rare thing. However, there are a number of ravens that live in this area, but they don't make themselves known very often. And so often I find that one will just 
fly over my car with me and just track with me for like a mile. It's amazing. It's just, oh, every time it gives me chills or it'll do something really strange in the sky in front of me on the freeway. And I can just see like, I'm, it's often in the car that I feel like I'm sort of getting these nods from her, like, yep, still here. And I have to be looking. I have to have my eyes open to see when, when she decides to just remind me that like, she's still around. <laughs> and that's kind of all it is. It's just this nod of like, I'm still here. You know, it's never this huge message unless I sort of go asking for it in some meditative way. But the I come in many forms, remembering that it's not going to be this cookie cutter fit goddess model (laughs) that she's she's so much bigger than that. But in the moments that I feel like I've really struggled, you know, in just in my life, she can kind of quietly remind me that like I had this struggle too. One of the most profound moments I had, I was I was really, really pregnant. Being pregnant with a toddler is is to me, it was far harder than having the child. <laughs> so it was one of the I, I have a hard time being pregnant. So in those moments, I was feeling so exhausted and sick and tired and feeling like I had to carry such a weight of not just caring for myself, but my toddler and my husband and my family and doing all of the things that I had to continue maintaining doing. And I just felt so tired. And there was this quiet voice and it reminded me of the story of Maha when she's pregnant with the twins and she's running this race that she's not wanted to be a part of, but her husband got her into. And then she she does the curse of the men of Ulster at the end of it as she dies, you know, but it, it was it was a really nice moment to have a solidarity with an aspect of her. And it wasn't a it's going to be OK, because at the end of that story, like things are not really okay for her. Um, but she, you know, lasts with this lasting curse. And of course, that's not what I'm being encouraged to do. It was more just a, I hear you, I see you, I know your pain. And the comfort of having someone c- close to that. I heard someone recently, it might have been uh actually Stephanie Woodfield herself, but you know, when you're in these really difficult moments you don't necessarily want someone to come in and say, it's all going to be better. It's Everything's okay. Positive vibes only, right? No, I don't want that. I want someone who's been there and seen it and can just sit with me. And she is who I can go to in those moments. And I think that her stories of the different characters or archetypes or characteristics of her come to me in those ways, where I remember a very distinct, clear, like, outlined of who she is, but always remembering that she comes in many forms, that she is that shapeshifter. And so when I work with her and trying to bring in her strength, fortify myself, I love that you used that word earlier, Morgana, because I was like, ah, yes, fortification, that's it. Um, That's when I'm turning to her aspects of prophecy, of sovereignty, of victory in battle, right? That's, That's when I really try to work with her. But so often it's not a cut and dry thing. It's it's a subtle nod and moment of just, I'm here, I hear you, I see you. We're in this together. <laughs> Keep working. <laughs> follow, follow through. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> gotcha. Thank you. So yeah, that would be my experience, I think. Truth. Truth. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. That that's really beautiful. This coming in many forms piece is so it's so helpful it's so helpful, right? Because when we're, when we're looking for one particular thing, you know, um, I often hear people say, you know, when talking about Hecate and the her keys, you know, and so like people are like, oh, there's a, you know, there's a key. And so, you know, Mar, you know, the Morrigan really is sort of, you know, how will you recognize me, you know, early on? And so of course, crows and ravens are the simplest way to do that. But, but showing up in, 
in so many forms. Somebody walked into the store the other day and we had the briefest of conversations. And as they walked away, I was left with a sense of thank you. Thank you to the Morgan because she literally had just walked in in the form of a man to convey a one sentence out of a three sentence conversation that was a piece of information that just completely shifted my perception. It was transmutation on the spot right there. But that was the Morgan walking in with that message and out she went. But if you're looking for very specific things, you're going to miss seeing her, you know, when she when she does, in fact, want to communicate directly. And I find the, you know, the nods. I, I've also experienced that wonderful having a raven flying along beside the car with you. It is just, there's just nothing like it. And, and in fact, now we need to do a poll to see how many, how many people that are engaged with the Morrigan, in fact, have had the, the raven flying beside your car um, situation, because it's not, it's not common. Um, but, the, but that is, that is really, really powerful. And I find what, what she will do when you have that crow will, that will appear in front of your car or land on your windowsill or whatever for me, those have been invitations to converse at that time to say, you're, you're carrying shit in your head. You, you, you're talking to yourself. You're keeping it contained within yourself. It's time to have a conversation, you know? And so that can be very helpful to use. I also use the Crow Tarot, which is just an absolutely fabulous deck. Uh, so, so like Scorpio, I have my specific deck, you know, for, for her alone. But I find then when I do lean in and have that conversation, that's exactly where the flow is. The message is there. It's very clear. She's, she is not wishy-washy in any way. That's the other thing I really appreciate about working with the Morgan. They are very clear communications. You're not left in any doubt whatsoever about what is supposed to be happening or going on. And if you ask, you will get a very concrete answer from that. So so that's that's very beneficial because I found working with some other deities to just be like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I don't really understand. Then 25 card pulls later, yep. you know, you're down the rabbit hole and you're like, forget it, you know, so... <laughs> With the Morrigan, there's never any anything like that. It's very clear, very, very decisive. And she'll give you that nod, you know, through a crew or even because that's what she is most, you know, um, commonly associated with. And that's the time for the chat. When it comes to the different aspects, I also go by a bunch of different names. So I'm kind of like used to that. It's 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 still me. Right. If yeah. I'm in a pinup magazine as Kitty Vargas or I'm on, you know, uh, the podcast as Scorpio, it's still me. But you know, if you're going to talk to me about tattoos and best way to do victory roles on the podcast, I'm going to look at you like, <laughs> what? Like, I, I'm not discussing that now. That's not what I'm doing now. So I think in addressing her, it's really about what is the function of the conversation that I'm having and what aspect of her am I actually looking to get an answer from, mm -hmm. you know? And as far as, you know, getting messages, yeah, she makes herself known. And usually it's when I'm out in nature usually when I'm with the dog and my answer is always, yeah, I know we'll talk, we'll, you know, relax, you know, keep your pants on, but that's just who I am. And I always say that it's taken with a, with a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's ne she never thinks that it's disrespectful. She knows it's just me going, Oh God. Yes. I see you. All right. Relax. You know, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll be there. Um, because it is a relationship and, and that's how I am in my relationships. You know, I'm not going to be, <laughs> Yes, you are. <laughs> yes. You, you know, I, I you can't be somebody else, right? I don't come to deity like, yes, and here I am type of thing. Because that's not who I am in day-to-day -day life. Like, that would be false. That's not who you are. So, you know, I, I'm a very sarcastic and I try to make everybody laugh type of thing. So that's that's what I bring to deity. And I know that wasn't the question, but I'm just saying, like, that's kind of like how I see her and yeah. our relationship. 
But I think that's an important point that you that you have reiterated here, right? Which is we can't say that she's wanting you to show up as your authentic self and be your most authentic self to the highest ability that you can achieve it and then turn around and have to fawn over her in a, in a way that is inauthentic for who it is that you actually are. Mm-hmm. So so right there, it's like she and she 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 will not interpret that as disrespect. It would be disrespectful if you're trying to pretend to be something that you're not to her and she will disconnect from that. So so exactly. You're in rightful relationship. That idea of, you know, what is right relation to be in right relationship. It is to have that authenticity and to to truly be yourself and to and to allow that relationship to grow and to develop over time, which it does like anything else. Otherwise, it's superficial and she's no interest in superficiality. You know, if she was a, a star sign, what would she be? What would she be as a sun sign? Capricorn, maybe very practical you know, yeah, there's course. definitely some Scorpio in there, though. I was um, going to say her connection to the the rivers, though, is also, I think, part of the, that water as well. I, you know, I think a nice blend of Scorpio and Capricorn, certainly maybe a bit of like a touch of Leo in there just for the royalty. Right. And the and the be your authentic self. <laughs> I could. Oh, that's a great question. I might dive into that later. Thank you, Morgana. <laughs> and maybe maybe it's not, you know, sun signs that we should be applying to. Maybe it should be. I mean, I know there's all kinds of maybe we should be looking at Chinese horoscopes or something, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's because those are animals, you know, may, you know, it's sort of like, yeah, that, that'll be an interesting one. Okay. If we were to actually try and, you know, peg her into something. Yeah, like- you just mentioned animals. I was like, well, in Taurus being the bull, of course, like then there's the whole earth. Yeah. Absolutely. Connection. Yeah. So Absolutely. there's a lot there. How interesting. Can we invite the audience to like, to yes, like chime in on that yes. on Instagram? I feel okay. like that could really open up. You know up, what's so- funny? I'm so glad that Conowin said that because I was going to say, if people wanted to come back, if people have questions, we're not authorities. We're just, you know, a bunch of schmoes talking about the Morgan. So if you want to hear, if you want answers from three schmoes, you know, <laughs> I don't know. We'll come back that. at like Salin and like answer everybody's the Morgan. Yeah. So, yeah. So if people have questions, yeah. Why don't we come back? If people want to yeah. know more, you know, specific things that maybe we haven't talked about here. I think we, we talked about a lot, but there's probably something that we missed. That's Absolutely. something out there is going, what do you mean you're ending? But I wanted to know about whatever. Well, I did my job and I took notes during this conversation. So we'll you'll see some some related posts. You'll see some polls. Conowin and Morgana, if you could just tell everybody where they can look for you if they're interested in your work. I can be found in two places on Instagram um, at Modern Druid Nyack. So that's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-R-U-I-D-N-Y-A-C-K. And also at Morgana modern druid m-o-r-g-a-n-a m-o-d-e-r-n-d-r-u-i-d those are the best places to associate yourself with me and for myself uh everything can be found on my website which is conowinmore.com uh to spell conowin it's c-a-w-n-a-w-y-n-m-o-r and there you'll find my instagram as well as my facebook i do a lot of music as well as astrology so if you're interested and then of course uh, if you listen to Wish Space, <laughs> I hope that you enjoy the music and uh, I will be on Witch Space Presents for Pagan Parenting very soon. I'm so excited. So lots of places to find me and please interact, talk and Morgana, I'll be I'll be following you in like about two seconds. <laughs> right there. Fabulous. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you so much to our amazing audience for giving us the opportunity to host table talks like these. Thank you to Kano and Moore for our amazing intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. Mm-hmm.